Have you ever had a day when you felt more like a number than a real person? Telephone numbers, calling card numbers, bank account numbers, bank machine numbers, credit card numbers. Sometimes it seems impossible to do anything these days without one number or another. In another in the series, Consumed by Technology, Peter Rukavina joins me now to talk about all of these numbers, what they're used for, and why you might just want to think twice the next time you're asked for one of them. Hi, Peter. Good morning. So what about all of these numbers? Well, last week we talked about the kind of information that governments record about us and what they do with it. This week I'd like to concentrate on how businesses keep track of us, and that's where all these numbers come into play. As you suggested, these days it, it seems like you need a number to do most anything. To get money from a bank machine, you need your bank card. To rent a video, you need a video rental card. To go to the hospital, you even need a hospital card. Now, all of these cards have numbers on them, and it's often these numbers that seem most important to businesses. In a very real sense, to whatever business or organization is looking for whatever number they need, you are your number. Try calling up your bank and saying, uh, hi, it's Peter here. Can you tell me my bank balance, please? And, and what's the first question they'll ask? What's your account number? Exactly. Now, of course, the real reason for all of these numbers has nothing to do with people at all and an awful lot to do with computers. If you're writing a computer program to keep track of customers, you want to make sure that all the information that gets entered into the program gets lined up with the right person's record. If, if I make a payment on my credit card, for example, it's important that that payment gets subtracted from my balance, not from the balance of some other Peter Rukavina. Using numbers as the key for a customer database as the way to call up any person's record is an easy way for computers to make all of this happen. Now, if this doesn't seem like a particularly new concept, you're right. Businesses and organizations have been using numbers to keep track of us since before there were computers to make the job easier. But what is new and different in the 1990s is what businesses are doing with these numbers, and more importantly, what they're doing with the personal information that all these numbers are tied to. Yeah, that sounds a little ominous. So what are they doing with all this information? Well, businesses call what they're doing by very odd-sounding names like establishing client intimacy or uh, relationship marketing, demographic profiling. What it all comes down to in the end is that businesses are using the same ability of computers to record personal information about us that they've been using for years, but they're starting to gather more and more information and they're starting to look at the patterns contained in that information to try and figure us out and in the end to sell us all more stuff. What do you mean, figure us out? Well, let's take an example. Over the past couple of years, a lot of retail stores have launched some variation of the customer loyalty card, the Club Z card, the Petro Points card, what have you. Usually you sign up for a card and then every time you purchase something you get points, which after a while you can redeem for free stuff. Now on the surface, these cards are simply a way for these businesses to keep you coming back time and time again. And that's a large part of what they're good for. They do indeed help to build customer loyalty. But remember that every time you use one of these cards, a record of it goes into the store's computer. You buy 10 rolls of toilet paper on July the 13th, it's in there. Uh, go back on July the 17th and buy 20 feet of garden hose, it goes in there too. It's no longer just a what that gets recorded in the store's computer, but a who as well. Uh, purchase by purchase, uh, this iteration isn't very remarkable. But taken as a whole, over time, it can be very valuable to business. So what kind of use can they make of all of this information? Well, businesses can use it in, in really two ways, essentially. Uh, firstly, they can look at broad patterns of who's buying what. Uh, remember that before this sort of card came along, stores could tell what was selling well, but not who was buying it. Uh, it used to be that if I came in on Monday and bought some toilet paper, then came in on Tuesday and bought some cat food, 
the store would never know it was actually me making both of those purchases. Mm -hmm. Now that they can tell that it's me, they can answer all sorts of new questions. Uh, it's one thing, for example, to know that you sold 20,000 rolls of toilet paper in July. It's another thing altogether to know that, say, three-quarters of the people who buy toilet paper at your store also buy their shampoo from you every week, and half of those people prefer a certain brand of shampoo. That kind of information used properly can be like gold to a retailer because it helps them know more about who their customers are and what they're buying. It helps them figure their customers out as, as a broad group and in the end to market more effectively and to sell more stuff. Now, the second way that businesses can use personal information they have about us is a little more ominous and it surrounds using information about our buying habits to try and figure us out as individuals. If you've ever subscribed to a magazine and then a couple of months later started to get flooded with junk mail, then you've seen a sort of prim primitive version of this in action. Magazines sell their mailing lists to companies who think that there's a good chance that people who subscribe to that magazine will buy their product. You subscribe to Harrowsmith, you might start to get LL Bean catalogs in the, mall, uh, in the mail. Uh, subscribe to Financial Post, you might start to get mutual fund junk mail. So we're not as much a number to him uh, or to, to these groups as a type of person that reads a certain kind of magazine like Harold Smith. Exactly. Uh, what's starting to happen now is that this practice is becoming something of a science. Businesses are realizing it's, it's a lot more efficient to send out, say, 100 catalogs to people they know are going to buy something from them than to send out 100,000 catalogs to people who they have a vague hunch might buy something from them. It's in this process of moving from a list of hunch people to a list of sure thing people that businesses can make use of all this information they have about us. Let's say you go grocery shopping every week at the same store, and that, that store has some method for keeping track of who you are and, and what you're buying. Over the course of a year, in fact, probably over the course of a, a couple of weeks or a couple of months, that store is going to have a pretty good idea of what sort of products you buy from them. They'll know that you buy three pounds of apples every second trip, that you don't ever buy canned juice, that you only buy flour when you buy sugar, that you just started to buy diapers in July, and so on and so on and so on. In that small space of life that has to do with grocery shopping, they'll end up probably knowing more about you than you know about yourself. Now think about all the other things you buy and imagine a similar situation is in place. Your, your video rental store keeps track of what movies you're renting. Your clothing store knows when you buy clothes. The gas station knows what grade of gas you buy and when. Uh, your car dealer keeps track of how often you get your car serviced. Almost everything we do in the marketplace has the potential to leave an electronic trail behind. Now again, any of this information taken alone, uh, the fact that I bought a bag of apples on Monday, for example, isn't useful to anyone. But just like the one big government database that we talked about last week, the real potential power of this information for business lies in combining the information about us that they have with information about us that they buy from other businesses mm -hmm. and then using a, a powerful computer program to help slot us all into a very narrow, what they call a demographic profile, a sort of map of our lives based on what we buy. Uh, businesses then, then turn around, uh, use that demographic profile to hit us with very, very targeted, specific marketing messages. So it's no longer just getting the LL Bean catalogs in the mail because I subscribe to Harrowsmith. No, it's it's getting personalized coupons for cloth diapers in the mail because That's of the uh, <laughs> <yeah, laughs> three visits to a maternity clothing store uh, in the past month, perhaps combined with the fact that uh, we just purchased a new washing machine. Uh, it's having my cable company give me a free month of TSN because I rent sports videos a couple of times a month and subscribe to the hockey news. Uh, it's getting email from a, a drywall contractor because I bought five home renovation books at the local bookstore over the last couple of weeks. 
there aren't a lot of businesses taking things to this extent yet. Uh, but to get some idea of what a seasoned professional in the direct marketing game looks like, you only need to look as far as Reader's Digest. Most people probably think that Reader's Digest is just a magazine, and it is. But more than that, it's a huge database of marketing opportunities. With 15 million subscribers, Reader's Digest has one of the largest and most finely developed databases in the world. As they use the list, they learn more and more about the people on the list, and they can use that information to market to those people even more. What Reader's Digest and the Columbia Record and Tape Club and the Book of the Month Club and other veterans in this game have been doing for years now is something which will become more and more common in many, many other smaller businesses in the years to come. Standards for recording and sharing personal commercial information are being developed. Computers are getting smaller and faster and cheaper and networked together. More and more of, of commerce is moving to mail order and the internet and other electronic systems where gathering information is, is so much easier and more invisible. After using bank machines for a decade, we're all starting to use debit cards more and more. Smart cards that actually carry money around are, are on the way soon. Taken together, all the signs suggest that whatever you want to call this customer intimacy building, it's only going to become more and more popular and more and more common. This kind of intimacy is making me a little bit nervous. I mean, should, uh, should consumers be wary of all of this? Well, it really all depends on how you feel about your personal information. If you like receiving things in the mail, if you don't care who knows what about you, if you don't mind being slotted into a, a very narrow demographic group for marketing purposes, then the world is really going your way. If, however, you value your privacy, if you're the kind of person who blanches at junk mail, uh, values the kind of personal service that comes from being known as an actual real live human being and not a number with a demographic, then you've got something to be worried about. And I, and I say that in all seriousness, although I, I tend to put myself in the latter group, there are a lot of people who see this trend as being a positive thing, as a, as a giant leap forward for the science of marketing. And in fact, many of those people are consumers themselves. Well, what about this issue of privacy? Do we actually have any control for how all of this personal information is used? Well, the shorter answer is no. You remember last week we talked about government information and the fact that there was, there was legislation regulating what governments could do with, with, uh, with our information. Mm -hmm. But by and large, in, in the commercial sector, our privacy is not protected by legislation. It's protected by simply tradition. Uh, industries that have been around for, for a while have a, a privacy code of conduct uh, or something like that. Uh, most credit agencies, for example, will only reveal information about you to people who have your consent, and they'll always uh, let you look at your own file and let you request any changes to be made if they're warranted. Uh, but other businesses, which haven't really seen themselves as being in the information business until recently, may very well think that uh, whatever information they have on you is their property due with, uh, as they see fit. And a business that would never, for example, consider giving out your name and address to someone on the phone uh, might not think twice about selling information about you and, and what you buy to someone else. Uh, the best advice I can give to anyone who's concerned about the privacy of their commercial personal information is simply to be extremely vigilant. Uh, whenever a business asks you for information which would identify you, ask them what they want it for, uh, how they're going to store it, uh, whether they consider it confidential, and whether or not they'll sell information about you to anyone else. If their answer doesn't satisfy you, don't give them any information. Now, of course, it's, it's hard to be vigilant when everyone is looking for one number or another, especially when you live in a small place like PEI where you might not have any choices about where to shop. But short of legislation, which places uh, limits on the use of commercial personal information, it's really the only thing we can do. 
I think what bothers me about this trend is, is really not as much a privacy issue as the notion that we're quickly moving from a world where personal relationships are the core of the marketplace to a world where demographics and buying patterns and databases are the core. I'm, I'm no longer a, a thinking, breathing person with a set of shopkeepers who know me and my needs and, and what I buy. I'm a number attached to a file, attached to a profile with such in the computer and some far off place owned by people who think that that tells them who I am. And, and I guess in the end, that just makes me sad.